another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin. And we are recording. It's New Year's Day. Happy New Year to everybody. Uh, the bowl, the college football playoff is happening as we're speaking. Uh, we got some campers putting up some stats right now. I just heard it was Blake Corum touchdown. So uh, Michigan, Bama. It's it's an exciting time in the world, Colin. It is. It's a new year. Uh, same old Camp Dynasty, though. We're Damn here right. to to do what we've been doing for the last couple weeks. Came with the quarterback rankings, which was fun. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, headline of this draft class so far. Running backs, we had our thoughts about that. You know, maybe not the star-studded class that we've come accustomed to. And now we are here with the wide receivers. And it's a great time, man. It's going to be a great time because as the fantasy season is wrapping up, this was also championship weekend for a lot of leagues. So congrats if you were a champion. Uh, You know, nice job. But unfortunately, unless you don't have your own pick, you probably won't be getting many of the wide receivers we're talking about today because they're going to go early and often in the 2024 Dynasty Rookie Drafts next summer. And we're going to break down our top five wide receivers right now. I know I, I might have teased a little bit of an expanded 2.0 for the wide receivers just because it is such a deep and talented class. But this early in the process, let's get a top five on the board. We'll talk about honorable mentions, of course, as well. And then uh, we'll you know get into this class in depth through the process and leading up to the NFL draft. So... I'm incredibly excited to talk about these players. Got the bad taste from the running backs out of my mouth, and we got a lot of really, really good wide receivers. So uh, let's kick it off, man. Let's get started. I went first last week, kind of, not really. So I'm going to turn it back your way to give me your number five wide receiver in this class. My number five wide receiver in this class is Oregon wide receiver Troy Franklin. Hell so yeah. do you have them higher or lower? Or I have them at number six. Okay. So Troy Franklin was a Camp Dynasty favorite. He had, you know, if you're keeping track, you keep track in the season, we do badges. So every time a player has a standout performance or if we like what he put on tape, he gets a badge. Troy Franklin had, was tied for the most badges in Camp Dynasty history for the performances he had this year, and that's – I mean, what you see on tape is is what it was here. The, I mean, the route running, he is so smooth. He's just uh, – he wastes no movement as a player. Uh, he snaps in and out of his breaks, which is great. To, I mean, the, that, that is the trait you, you see with Troy Franklin is just the route running, the speed, and how smooth he is. Uh, he does a lot of the work from the outsides from the X and the Z positions. He plays in the slot, but it doesn't seem like a, much of his production comes out of the slot. Uh, it seems like his routes are, are good out of the slot, like he could be a slot player, but it's just not what Oregon asked him to do. Speaking of Oregon, I hate watching this offense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, this, this player, Troy Franklin, is so good. 
and he does such good things down the field and they just rarely use him down the field because this was such a low a dot offense it was all screens and slants and you know bubbles and short runs rpos all of that and I just I wanted to see them do more with Troy Franklin because he has such this very downfield skill set and he just didn't get to show it off a ton when he did it looked really good um so Troy Franklin sitting at number five I mean loaded class to have Troy Franklin at five I'd say yeah and that's exactly what I was gonna say about my number six ranking is like I when we talked about quarterbacks it was like we we had jj mccarthy at number five and we had people coming in saying like what is wrong with you guys jj mccarthy's not good and i'm like he's the number five quarterback (laughs) in this class he's a tier three quarterback in this case a guy like troy franklin sits at the number six spot and this is a phenomenal player this is a great wide receiver prospect this is a a first round caliber i kind of have him graded on that fringe right now something like you know, 28 to 36 maybe is the range that I'd be looking to grab Franklin in the NFL draft. But in dynasty he's a slam dunk first round pick for, for any team. I mean, this is a, an elite vertical weapon. I mean, he is, he is, it's shocking to watch Troy Franklin work down the field because the word that you said was fluid. It's so real. Inside, outside release doesn't matter. He he mixes and matches. He he plays the game with the cornerback, keeps them guessing all game. And no matter what he's going to, he gets down the field so fast. Mm-hmm. And and guys just cannot match up with him with his fluidity and his his ability off the line of scrimmage. That's why I think he, you know, you mentioned he mixes up a little bit. He's playing multiple positions in this offense. I don't think that entirely goes away at the NFL level, but I do think he is right at home in an X wide receiver role. He is a he's going to be running a lot of goes. He's going to be running a lot of posts. He's going to be threatening deep, and then he can snap off those curl routes. You know, mix that in as well. Dig routes, middle of the field stuff. He's good there as well. Slants. He's a pretty complete route runner and separator at, and especially for a player of this size. Um, the, the major, I guess, weakness I had with Troy Franklin is catch point ability. I think he, you know, we kind of talked about this a little bit through the season. The hands were good, not necessarily great. And when he, when you're in physical situations, it's kind of hit or miss with Troy Franklin. If he, if there are bodies around him at the catch point, it's not always consistent. He, he shows an ability to make catches like with guy, if he's coming on a slant and the corner's coming down on him, he like that's on tape that he's making those catches once in a while. But for a player of this size, I'd like to see him be a little bit more imposing at the catch point. Yeah, I would agree. I think the two biggest weaknesses I see with Franklin are the, the catch point stuff and run after catch. Like if you get mm-hmm. your hands on him, he's going down. Which yep. is to be expected. Like you said, his size, he's 6'3", about 190, a little on the underside of 190. So he's a, he's a thin guy, and that affords him the fluidity and the speed that you know he makes his hay on. But it takes away a little bit from the, the contested catch, the, the big you know, moss and people and 
getting things done after the catch, especially when this offense asks him to run after the catch a fair amount, running those smoke screens and those bubble screens. It's like, okay, but this is not what he should be utilized doing. And he still had a fantastic season. So I feel like a misutilized player that could go into an offense and, you know, gets paired up with a quarterback or a scheme that will ask him to go deep. He could be just a fantastic addition to an offense because he also was not asked to run outside breaking routes very often because of this like heavy RPO scheme. So, he's also really good at outside breaking routes. Like you, you see him come across the face of these corners and just completely set him off balance. And he just was never asked to do that or very, you know, rarely asked to do that. So I, I like Troy Franklin a lot. And I think he has a lot of upside in a real NFL scheme versus this weird Oregon, you know, Bo Nix catered offense. Yeah. We, I mean, we saw the growth from Franklin this year as well. I mean, this pl- coming into the year Franklin was my number five wide receiver in this class and that came with the caveat of like we're expecting some growth and we saw a ton of growth as a route runner his ability down the field speed wise he he put on extra weight as well I think he's like 10 or 12 pounds listed heavier from uh his uh lap from 2022 um so he added a little bit of weight didn't lose anything in terms of speed and still a player that's going to be 21 years old, freshly 21 when he's drafted. This is a, we talk about the age with this class and, and with some other position groups, specifically with quarterbacks, this wide receiver class as a whole is very young. These guys are very talented players that have a lot of growth yet in them. So Franklin embodies that for sure. Um, and he's he's in this tier. He's at number six, but he's in the same tier as my five and four players. Who is your number five? Great segue. My number five, a player that I see kind of similarly to Troy Franklin, actually, Brian Thomas Jr. from LSU, um, a player that really you know kind of came on, came out of nowhere almost this year. We we came into the year expecting the LSU you know, offense to be completely centered around Malik neighbors. And it was, but it just so happened that Brian Thomas jr. Carved out a pretty big role for himself as well. Um, and we saw it right away. Uh, that first game of the season against Florida state, he seven catches 142 yards and a touchdown. And it was kind of like, who is this guy? Like what's going on here? And that just really never stopped for the entirety of the season. He finished the year, 1177 yards and 17 touchdowns including two today in the bowl game against the Badgers so um, this is a player that really impressed me through the season and I was really excited to dive into his film and the the big thing that stands out is kind of exactly what stands out on Troy Franklin's film which is his ability as an outside X wide receiver his ability to separate down the field. This is a big dude, 6'4", 205. He's got like 15 pounds, maybe even 20 pounds on Troy Franklin, and he moves the same way. I mean, he consistently stacks corners on the outside and wins vertically, posts, goes, all of that. The down the field stuff is is great, and it was a big reason why Jane Daniels had a great time throwing downfield this year was because Brian Thomas Jr. was open a lot down the field. 
Um, so he's a big player, can win down the field, explosive athlete, shows up immediately. You start watching him. His releases are quick, explosive. He bursts off the line on in an instant. And for a big player, it's pretty eye-catching stuff. Um, also, very physical player. Um, don't get to see a ton of reps from him at you know in contested catch situations, which is something that you know it's I'm I won't call it a weakness, but it's not something I'm entirely certain you know is a part of his game. Is can he be that sort of ball winner player in addition to the to the skills that he has as a down the field wide receiver? Um, but in the instances that you see him, you know, having to be physical press coverage, there's, there's a rep where the Florida state corner just throws his hands into Brian Thomas at the line of scrimmage. And it doesn't phase him at all. He immediately comes off of that separates inside on an in-breaking route. So he was a really impressive player for me. A, a guy that I was, like I said, excited to get into and, and the tape confirmed, you know, kind of the vibes that we were getting through the season. Yeah, Thomas is my number six player. So and boom, Frank there it is. There. Yep. <laughs> yeah, neck and neck for for us here. Um, but the thing that jumped off for me is like he's just unnaturally fast for how big yeah. he is. Yep. It, it's you're. It's kind of jarring. You watch and you think, well, how is he beating these guys so? Because it's not flashy route running. It's not like anything. He's just running past people. And there's also, like, the physicality, like you talked about. There's a little bit of run-after-catch, a little bit of contested catch stuff. Uh, the the route variance isn't, like, super elaborate like it is with, like, you, you think about his teammate neighbors and he can run every route in the tree. But Thomas, they just don't ask him to. And that's because they have the, the Malik neighbors card in the deck. So Thomas can just take the top off time and time and time and time again. And that, I mean, ends up with 17 touchdowns. It's not like he's catching goal line fades for these touchdowns. It's not like he's doing like little red zone routes where he's a little whip route in the, no, he is catching like big posts and flies and he's got these guys beat by three yards. And it's almost like they don't expect him to be as fast as he is. So I mean, Brian Thomas is another another guy who could be like an exceptional big play threat in the NFL, and I can see where you would think he has the upside to be like an elite player. Like, there's a really high ceiling here if you can like hone in a varied route tree, or if a team just wants to you know utilize him like this and uh, vary it a little more, he could still be a big time player. Like having 1100 yards and 17 touchdowns running basically like goes in posts and obviously he did more than that but a lot of the production comes off of that and it's like he could do so much more if you just have him like throw him a screen and let him use his body to his advantage and like you you can see some of the run after catch when uh he he runs like a a fly against I think it was Oklahoma and Jaden Daniels underthrows him and he still like breaks a tackle, makes a guy miss, and then runs into the end zone. So I mean Brian Thomas feels like he has a really, really high ceiling. And the the polish, I don't know like that it's definitely a ball of clay 
because you can see the the immense upside and the athleticism and the speed and the physicality and then if you work on the polish like you'll see you could see like a very very complete player yep a hundred percent agree number one like point of weakness or something to work on for me is is the route variety it's like you said it was pretty much fly post crosser and once in a while they were throwing in like a dig or a curl and honestly that like those routes weren't always spectacular like specifically the curls he didn't sink his hips super well on those i mean it wasn't like i mean he's a big dude so you know you're not expecting these guys to look like you know like his teammate malik neighbors or or even franklin but and that's why i give the edge to thomas over a guy like franklin who right now probably a more complete route runner he he kind of has most of the tree in his bag already but i think thomas is just a player that you know put 20 pounds on troy franklin and it's like well that's kind of brian thomas jr like let's see what he can do you know polish him up a little bit another player here who's going to be only 21 when he's drafted um and he kind of has a little bit more of that base with as a a bigger guy who really kind of does you know like you said he moves just like troy franklin at 20 at 20 pounds heavier than him so um yeah he's a really exciting player the only thing the or the only other thing that i had uh which i did want to touch on because it showed up time and time again for me was his awareness against zone coverage was really impressive. And that's another reason why I think like his his ability as a route runner is a little bit maybe untapped because you see him getting into these situations. Uh, there were multiple instances against cover three where the corner is backpedaling and he just kind of settles into the blind spot. The guy is looking at the quarterback and and Thomas just kind of settles along the sideline and Daniels finds him. And that happens time and time again. They're big plays and he's creating them by staying out of the corner's line of sight and not getting in the way. So um, really good understanding there. That's another thing that's going to show up with another player we talk about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, Brian Thomas, I'm, I'm in, man. This is I said he was my kind of guy and it confirmed it for me. Yeah, I I'm going to. I'm going to disagree with a point you made real quick because you said oh he boy. moves like Troy Franklin. Oh, okay. I, I, I meant, I meant speed wise. And then, and then you also said, if you add 20 pounds to Troy Franklin, it equals Brian Thomas. And I, I just want okay. to tamper I, that a little bit. Hold on but a he, second. I, nope. I know I'm going to, I just, just don't I, take me so literally, same, man. He has the same kind of speed as Troy Franklin with more weight and more physicality. He does not move the same as Troy Franklin because Troy Franklin is more fluid and we agree on that, but I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, I that that's not what I meant. I, I meant don't... that I meant that they have the same speed. They're gonna run similar forties, they're vertical separators in the same sorts of way. I, I I need to be more careful with my words apparently because I'm gonna get called out I don't, here. I don't want you to be attacked by. It's about the other. Oh, people. I'll it's be attacked. Me. I'll be attacked no matter what. <laughs> uh, all right. Where are we at? Number. We're four. at my number four. Yep. And it's Romo Dunze, the Washington wide receiver. Okay. You have him higher. I do. Yeah. Okay. So, 
Do do you have a much higher? I, I you have he's three. my number three. Yeah, I, I was gonna say we're running out of we're already running yeah. out of space here. We we all anyway. Yeah, Rome. We'll talk about it. Your three. Who's your four? Because I'm sure we just have them flip flopped. Keon Coleman. Okay. Yeah. So Keon flip-flopped. Coleman's my three. We haven't flip flopped. So okay. Well, let me let me ask you this though. Yeah. Because for me, it's a big tier jump. Okay. Do you do you have a similar split, or the or do you have they're Coleman and Odunze on the same? Yeah, they're field? they're okay. very close for me. So, okay. do you want to talk about Coleman first or Odunze first? Let's talk about Odunze. Okay. So Odunze is a very complete player. I think he's uh like the definition of jack of all trades, master of none in this class and that's no like knock on odunze like that that means that he can do everything like he's a good separator he has great great hands uh contested catch situations he's very good he i i mean his releases are really nice like he is square on every release the the cornerback has no idea what he's doing and that's really good uh the yak there's there's times where it looks really good there's times where it's like i i feel like you could have got a little more out of that um and he blocks his ass off which i love like he is getting busy like this washington offense implements a lot of screens a lot of uh horizontal stuff and he gets busy and that's going to get you on the field more than anything so um, I mean, I just, there's not a ton of holes to poke in Odunze's game. So, uh, I mean, man, he reminds me a lot of Jahan Dotson. So <laughs> uh, hold on a second. What? So you call him a Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. You outline all of these amazing things that he does. And then we don't know how to poke holes in his game. So what is the problem? with Romo Dunze. I listen, this is this is not a, a point of what's the problem with Odunze. I just love Keon Coleman. All okay. Right? okay. It, it's it's that I, I really I was pleasantly because I was ready to move Odunze above Coleman going into this because I mean Coleman kinda ended on a bad note. Odunze has been really impressive. And then I go back and watch Coleman, and I'm like, man, my hands are tied. I can't do it. I get it. I get it. And it's, well, it's very philosophical, I think. There's the Coleman conversation will be very interesting, I think. So for me, Romo Dunze is number three, and he's a tear jump above these players. I see him as a number one wide receiver in the NFL, like day one. Like he's coming in. And he is the guy in the room because what he did this year was really special. The, the development from when we watched him in the summer from 2022, the areas of his game that we really wanted to see him work on. And this is something I've said time and time again, but this is the embodiment of a player that did that. Like he took those areas of his game that needed a little bit of polish and he, he polished them in a big way, and he kind of eliminated almost all of the weaknesses in his game, in my opinion. He is an incredible route runner. 
at this size, 6'3", 215, he can move so well. I mean, and, and here's where when I say move, I don't just mean speed. I mean everything. Laterally, he can run the whole tree, and he put pretty much all of those routes on tape this year. Man coverage, zone coverage, doesn't matter. Zone coverage, this is the player that I was alluding to when I talked about Brian Thomas Jr., Odunze, like, dial that up to 10. He he attacks holes in zone coverage so effectively at, at all levels of the field. He knows how to find spots, hitches, you know, digs in the middle of the field, sit down, wait for it, and then, you know, even on, like, a corner route, he'll kind of settle in on the outside. Um, so pretty much anything they threw at him he was getting open for Michael Penix it's a big reason why he had this amazing you know 1400 yard season for them um, and then the the contested stuff like really matters to me because this is a player that shows an ability as an elite separator that can run pretty much every route in the book already and is now playing to his size 63215 fades red zone fades going up over the top of people showing the strength of his hands you, you know great hands player in general not many drops with odunze and now he's showing that ability to kind of show off his athletic traits jump over the top of people and make these difficult catches he really was a complete wide receiver eval for me i mean this is a player that i have graded extremely highly right alongside my number two player uh, in this class um and the only thing that i and you already mentioned it so the yak it's it's not a huge part of his game that's the one thing where it's like if he just had this he'd be in a very special conversation but that's pretty minimal given the impact that he already has on the game. I think that this is just a testament to the class. It is. Yeah. hundred like, percent. Well, we mentioned it with, with Franklin and, but Odunze is a lot better than, than Franklin. Like for me, I have Odunze at four and then it's just a huge, like it, it's a so big So you tier. have the tier jump between four Odunze and five. And Franklin. Okay. Right. Yep. So it's just like these these wide receivers, man. It's it's a good year to be in the market for one. Is basically how I feel because I mean the the top three or the top two are going to go top ten in the NFL draft, and then you look at you know Odunze is going to be a mid first rounder. He's going to be you know in that fifteen twenty range, I'd say. Should be. And then Coleman is a later first-round player for me. And then Franklin also in that range. So I just feel like there's a wealth of talent in this wide receiver class. And Odunze, I mean, just a nice, complete package player. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's like you can argue nuance and all of these things. It really doesn't matter because they're all so good. Like these – the the players we're talking about right now are – special players like and that's the that's where this class shines is like wide receiver four is like an incredible wide receiver prospect right so it's not like you know that's why tiers are so important because it matters to know like a guy like odunze 
if you have the third or fourth, maybe fifth pick in a draft, like you're getting a player that projects, in my opinion, as a number one wide receiver in the NFL. He could right. be a fantasy superstar by year one, right. year two at the latest. You know, like that's that's where we are with this class. Well, so. you can't – he's bad if it's not until year Yeah, two. if it doesn't happen in the first three weeks, then we it's know over. it's over. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Keon Coleman. Let's talk about Keon Coleman, though. Okay. So – Coleman, the the thing that I saw was meat left on the bone, all yep. over the place on the tape, and that that's that's the biggest thing where it's like he should have had like four more touchdowns and two hundred eighty more yards just on those four catches. There there's times where he's wide open down the field, you know. There's a little bit of a he can't separate narrative that's beginning with Coleman. We got that already. We on did. A, we got a comment on our one of our TikToks. Somebody said, find a rep where Coleman is separating. And I'm yeah. like, can I send you a Google Drive folder full of yeah. them? Can I can I send you like a 10-minute clip of <laughs> yeah. his? So I think that there's going to be more of that because this wide receiver class is so good that like you naturally discount the players that you have ranked lower and i i think that's just a mistake to do in this yep. class like you see that he had the the 50 catches 658 yards 11 touchdowns which is you know half of the stats that odunze puts up odunze had 1400 yards like he blew him out of the water but i i just think coleman the just has an unlimited ceiling the at the athletic tools that coleman has is so impressive and i think people see you know the the good run after catch the good catch point ability the good hands and they're like well he can't separate and then you look and you can see that he like has guys off balance all the time yeah and the i said meat out meat on the bone because you go back and watch and it's like good lord this guy is winning downfield and then they like check it down it's like uncork the ball jordan like get 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 key on the ball and you you saw that in the middle of the season when he had these you know big game after big game they're uncorking it and they're letting him work down the field and they're giving him contested catch opportunities and he's converting and then they kind of revert back to this like kind of reined in offense where you know the stuff is short and you don't see a whole lot of that that big downfield stuff and i just I feel like Coleman has so much that he can do, and he also is a pretty complete player. That is also like he is a pretty raw as a wide receiver, and there's a lot to be worked on and and tapped into. That you see, he's a good player, and you see impressive stuff, and they're not like capitalizing on that impressive stuff. And then there's also improvements that he could make. So I, f I just feel like the ceiling is unlimited with Coleman. Oh, yeah. I mean, he is the embodiment of unlimited ceiling. And that's, I mean, that's a lot of this player right now is like he puts a lot on film this year, but you come away saying, man, you could be, you, you could have been the number one wide receiver in this class. Like they're, 
there is a world, maybe not this class, but yeah, I was gonna he, say. <laughs> he could be a number, a, a slam dunk number one wide receiver sort of a talent in a draft class if you know some of these just kinks were were worked out. But um, so for me, I think we saw him pretty similarly, like. The separation thing is the number one thing I wanted to talk about because it's it is such a misconception already that he can't separate. And there are some numbers like and that's why these like numbers get pulled and then people get these ideas of a player in their head. Like I've heard this number that Coleman's separation per target is like one of the lowest in this class. But when you watch the film, there are targets that are left on the table for him where he's wide open and, and that ha- and like you said that happens a lot I was almost you know it was shocking to me to see how often he was open and not getting the ball yeah um because I you know you kind of let that bleed into your idea you hear oh he's a he's not a separator he's this big athlete that's you know and then you get flashbacks to Quentin Johnston, and it's like, man, I don't want to do that again. It's not even the same. It's not even yeah. close to the same thing. The one area that did kind of bother me, though, was that, he, I mean, he's the embodiment of, like, that 6'4", 220, X wide receiver, you know, beast. And he doesn't play really like an X wide receiver. I mean, they used him in the slot a lot and you don't see a ton of reps from him where he's like running fly routes or running like posts really effectively. Like he doesn't have those big down the field vertical routes that I think, you know, if a NFL team drafts him and says, you're our X wide receiver, those are the routes that they're going to be asking him to run. And that's one of the problems that we saw with Quentin Johnson this year was the fact that he was not an X wide receiver. They were asking him to run those routes and he couldn't do it at the NFL level. I'm not saying Coleman is, is like being set up for that exact scenario, but I am, I I do think it was a little surprising to me to see how he played versus kind of what I was expecting to see from Coleman, where his role is a little bit more, you know, nuanced than just big guy, athletic freak that gets down the field and you know wins jump balls that's not really his game um i think after the catch is where he really shines just dynamic athlete i mean he's he was the punt returner for this team he had multiple like highlight reel punt returns you see his open field ability ability to you know have vision as a ball carrier and then use his burst and speed at this size to just be a complete mismatch in the open field so that's something that you know is really uh, a highlight of his game is uh, versus some of these other players specifically like in Odunze where it's like get get the ball in Keon Coleman's hands and he can be a weapon uh, that's not really a part of a guy like Odunze's game but for me, the difference was just the completeness of the player right now. There's a lot left on the bone, like you said, route running, hit or miss. Uh, like it's not all perfect. The footwork gets a little muddy at times. You see reps of him running into cornerbacks, like trying to break, and he's not. The timing isn't quite there, and he'll run into guys, kind of put himself in these contested situations. But it's not that he 
can't separate. It's just the nuance that he needs to work out. So projection all the way, there's so much left to this player's game. And he's already so good. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's like there's – he's not a, a great route runner. Is no. is He's yeah. like better than people think is is kind of how I I see it. There's like – and then the jump ball thing is like he's a little worse than people think. Yeah, exactly. So because yep. I went in thinking like, well, Keon Coleman, you know, he's going to go win every jump ball, whatever, and he yep. wins like one in three when you talk about contested catches and you think of him as like this big play threat and it's like well there's just not a ton of that it's a lot of short routes like he's open on deep routes like we talked about he's winning downfield but it's not he's not running those routes very often and sometimes he's just blanketed like that's a real thing too so there are definitely kinks to work out there's flaws in his game he's not a perfect player i just feel like i almost feel like with the the brian thomas troy franklin conversation how we have him flipped is similar to how we have coleman and odunze flipped is like i i'm super in on the ceiling of coleman and you like the the completion of odunze and you're super in on the ceiling of thomas and i like the completion of franklin you know yeah it makes sense and it's just it's just a really good class. Like yeah. I don't want it to I don't want it to seem like I don't like Keon Coleman because I, I really do. And um the nope, you're no Dunze, not a Coleman guy. Right, exactly. It's over. Yep. The the contested thing though, I do want to hit on it because that it's so real. and it's because of the highlight reel stuff. Like right. his highlight reel, you know, catch point stuff is is incredible. I mean, he has some of the best catches of the entire season. He's a red zone weapon. I mean, they use him on those back shoulder fades. He goes up with one hand sometimes, pulls him down. You see it and you think, okay, that's a huge part of his game. You know, that's, but it's, it's really not, like you said, he's not consistent in that area, um, but something to build on. Not, it's not to say like he can't be better at it. He's already flashing in a in elite ability in 33% of his chances at it. So that number can climb, especially when you see the ability that he has when it all kind of works together. Um, and then the other thing is like just kind of a weird thing, but it kept showing up for me. The basketball background definitely shows up, <laughs> and especially in like scramble situations. Like when the play breaks down, he – knows how to find space like you can see that like you know he's like an off ball like basketball player like the defender is moving one way and he kind of just slips behind and into an open space and keeps himself available and Travis doesn't find him a lot of the time but he's open he's available and he, he's always moving the play is never over for him just because it's breaking down so that was nice to see as well hit or miss as a blocker I got to throw it in. I got blocking notes for all these guys. I haven't brought it up yet, so we'll do it for Keon. Hit or miss, would like to see him throw his weight around a little bit more in that area. He shows he can do it, just not consistent. Yeah, this was Keon Coleman propaganda, so I didn't mention it. I also have the bullet point of he's really good on second reaction plays. 
Mm-hmm. Like that that was something that I noticed a lot was him like almost like you know spotting back up uh, after an offensive rebound like you're talking about like you know yep. the defender kind of loses him and he just like shifts and finds the spot makes himself available I I see that All right number 2 I think we're smooth sailing from here no know. disagreements Malik neighbors number 2 <laughs> Well, no, yeah, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You had the, the tweet thread about neighbors recently. I, I'm like, maybe I it's love something happened. Neighbors, but I mean, same. And that's like we've said this for pretty much the entirety of the season. I mean, like we came into the year like, yeah, neighbors pretty good. Like, like what he did last year. Think he's a nice like yak weapon type of a guy. And then it became very clear quickly that this was another player in the same vein as Odunze that just got so much better at the things that he did well already and the things that weren't even really on his film in 2022. All of a sudden, that was all there. And then it paints this picture of pretty much a complete wide receiver. And in a different scenario, he's a wide receiver one. I mean, 100 times out of 100. He or 99, I guess. This is the one time. Right where he's not because uh, just just a phenomenal wide receiver prospect. Tell me what you saw with Malik Neighbors. Uh, man, Malik Neighbors, it was just the – it's the route running. Yep. It's literally like he's one of the smoothest, silkiest route runners every route up until the break is mirrored picture perfect exactly the same like defenders are always just playing catch up with him and he runs just so many routes he is split 50 50 of routes run out of the slot versus outside like this guy can be deployed everywhere and anywhere and LSU did a fantastic job using him. I, I have to put that out there because there's some of these guys that are misutilized. I feel like neighbors got to do, got to just showcase his talent in this offense. Like the 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 work he does out of the slot is unbelievable. It's just he the way he sets people up. Like his slant route is second to none, and then everything builds off of that for him. Because the defender, like, his sluggo, the the way that he sets it up with the slant and then just sticks that foot in the ground and the defender's like, oh, shit. And neighbors, another touchdown. The slot fade is automatic for him because he's so fast, too. Like, he, he gets uh, – he has, like, a, a seam where he'll give you a little inside fake. He will turn the DB around – kind of you know peek on one shoulder the defender will turn that way and then he'll just shoot by the other way and then he has like the slot fade where he'll get him to turn inside and then he'll just jet out and it's like eight yards of separation just unreal so it's just every single game he's making big plays he can do it outside he can do it inside uh, he's got the size he's six foot 200 pounds like there's there's almost no flaws in this game 
And like you said, outside of like this class and the Jamar Chase class, like he's the wide receiver one in like every other class since I don't, I mean, stuff could, could to name a year <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and you'd right. be right. So uh, just an unbelievable player. Yeah. I, the route running is, I mean, that it, everything starts with that because, and it, it feels like everything, part of his game is kind of off of that elite ability as a route runner. Like you said, versatility, line him up anywhere. I mean, he's going to play all over in the NFL. He's going to play out of the slot a lot. I mean, I, this is not a, I, and I think I've even said this before and it's not a comp, but cd lamb is a player that i always come back to with neighbors just in the fact that he sort of is this versatile weapon like he's become this player that plays inside outside but he does a lot of his work out of the slot and that was something that really kind of enhanced his ability at the nfl level when playing out of the slot a lot neighbors is a guy that i think kind of does the same thing where you're going to put him in the slot more often than not but you're going to be able to mix him and match him all over the field uh and that's because he can run every single route in the tree he's going to run those you know sharp in breakers he's going to run those outbreakers he's going to work you know hitches against zone coverage very well and then he's going to totally take the top off time and time again he's going to threaten on like he he sets up all of his routes off of his other routes like his and he he does it with his release moves too like he'll he'll show you the same release move like on a go or like on a slot fade where he kind of does it twice and then the corner is like okay this is the move and then he hits that same move but then hits the slant or hits the curl off of that he's so unpredictable that's and it makes it impossible to cover and be and he's such a good athlete that he can make all of those cuts so effectively smooth mover so everything kind of gets set up off of that and that's enough to be like yeah this guy's he's going to be an elite nfl wide receiver like he can he's going to walk in day one and separate against nfl corners no doubt about it then he's got yak ability on top of it like he's six foot 200 pounds but he plays strong i mean he plays through contact corners will get their arms on him and he'll fight through the contact he'll get extra yards He's got the ability, you know, they get him out on end arounds, touch passes, things like that. They let him kind of go to work, open field vision, can do that stuff. And speed, he's he's a killer. I mean, he's just, a, he's incredibly fast. It shows up in those yak plays, but it also shows up when he's working down the field and taking the top off time and time again. So complete wide receiver very minimal like question marks with his game like I feel so confident that he is an elite NFL wide receiver early in his career there's not really much that I look at and say yeah you know this is gonna this this could be a limiting factor for you I think he doesn't really have a limiting factor yeah I the two things that we haven't mentioned yet are like the ball tracking which we'll talk Mm -hmm. about with the other guy is so impressive there's there's not a catch that he can't make like his catch radius is really big because of that and I mean we talked about Jaden Daniels deep throwing and it's really good like he's putting it over the shoulder 
over the correct shoulder outside and neighbors is tracking it over the shoulder, catching it with his hands. And again, and, and that's the other thing is the hands is they're really, really good. It's really impressive. He's catching with his hands. He's catching behind him when he's like getting thrown, like he's running a slant and Daniels will put it not only on his back hip, but a little behind that. And he'll still snatch it in stride and then keep running. And that's all just high, high level stuff. I mean, we we saw, you know, Odell take all those slants to the house. Uh, neighbors, I feel like, can be that same kind of player where you you get him the ball on a slant and he can just outrun everybody. And another thing is like the the slot sluggo man. I, you don't see people run it like I. It's an outside play, and Neighbors is running it out of the slot, and it's like a cover two beater for LSU, and it works like every time. <laughs> yeah. You go cover two man, and he runs this slot sluggo. It's just unbelievable how wide open he gets every time. So, I mean, again, if if this was like any other class, he'd be the wide receiver one, and there's going to be – people that prefer him to Marvin Harrison Jr. And like I don't think it's absurd. So it's here I we mean are. it's it's close. Yeah. Like I it honestly wasn't as close as I was expecting. Right. Like I had built neighbors up very much in my mind over this season and I was kind of expecting like a 1A 1B almost by the end of this. That's not what I ended up with. I ended up with a 1 and a two because the other guy's pretty freaking good. Yeah. But that is no slight at neighbors. And number two overall pick dynasty managers. Yeah. Welcome to welcome to the next era of your wide receiver core because this is this is that dude. Yep. Speaking of, yep. Number one. Here we are. I mean it's no surprise, and it's just like Bijan last year. You kind of keep coming back, revisiting, you know, this is the guy, this is the hype train, all of this, and it just seems like every time you watch him, they just get better. I mean, like I said, he's number one. There's, there's no, like, I have an elite grade on Malik Neighbors, and I have Marvin Harrison Jr., like, a couple points above that he I have that you know all pro top three pick grade on this player as a wide receiver he he is worth it I mean what is there left to say yeah. you know we we've been talking about him for six months now and there like not much has changed he put together a great season with a bad quarterback like I, I will keep coming back to that because it's the simple truth of this is like McCord is bad <laughs> and yeah. and Marvin still looked good which is the impressive part of this there uh, talked a little bit about meat left on the bone with Keon Coleman I mean there's a lot of meat on the bone with Marvin Harrison here and he still had 1200 yards and 14 touchdowns like this is just an outstanding player there I can't 
I can't find a weakness in the in this game. Like same. He will will go down the list. Like he can run every single route from the X position, the Y position, the Z position. His hands are second to none. Like he makes catches outside of his frame all the time. He like I said, McCord was bad. He's throwing him bad balls and Marvin Harrison is bailing him out. The body control is unbelievable. Like his sideline awareness, his going back for underthrown passes and making those kind of catches uh, happens all the time. His awareness in the air to go pluck a ball and you know he does have a little bit of that no regard for his safety which has gotten him hurt a couple times because he's like going up to get it and he's going and getting it more often than not and then he'll come down and land hard and it's like okay all right (laughs) i get it you can jump six feet in the air and but let's let's not throw any more hospital balls mccord yeah so uh the run after catch i mean i put it like as not it's not a weakness but it just doesn't he doesn't do a ton of it but when he has the opportunity to it still looks good the that's the thing like the yards after catch is like what's preventing him from being like a perfect yeah. prospect yeah like literally like yeah. if he if he was like this physically dominant open field runner that like had that impressive yak ability he's the perfect player i mean he that there's nothing else to his game where you look at it and say yeah this needs a lot of work like and that's what's so crazy about Marvin. I think it's like people maybe become a little desensitized at this point because you, you've heard the name now for a while and he's in, you know, top three in these mock drafts and stuff. And it's even getting to the point now where it's like, you know, Could NFL you take teams. Number at one? The, yeah, right. It's like people have him number one in the class overall uh, teams that are like not that don't need a quarterback it's like a sweepstakes in the nfl like we're gonna tank for caleb williams but we're also gonna tank for a wide receiver like the cardinals with winning against philly and it was like oh no like yeah you said do you see the the video of the gm on the sideline of like oh what what are we doing yeah so and that's and that's where we are and then people say like well what the hell's the big deal like it's you know but six four two oh five that is the same size listed that Brian Thomas Jr. is. We talked about the fact that Brian Thomas Jr. is a big dude. And yeah, he doesn't sink his hips super well. And he's not really fluid out of his cuts all the time. But it's okay because he's a bigger guy. We'll cut him some slack. Marvin Harrison Jr. is like a 170-pound player out of his breaks. I mean, it's it's truly miraculous to watch him just run every route, and then you have to remind yourself what size he is. Yep. Like slants, curls, day, like everything is so crisp, so smooth. It's unpredictable. He understands leverage so well. He'll use his upper body to create situations to get cornerbacks on their heels and then just snap it off in an instant and be completely wide open middle of the field working down the field i mean press coverage good luck (laughs) you you literally can't press him he's he beats it every single time 
and wins down the field consistently. Hands, like you said, the drop rate this year was a little bit higher, like 8%, but there was one game where he had three drops. I'm going to just count it as an anomaly. Like, otherwise, he was very consistent. He only had three other drops over the entirety of the year outside of that Purdue game. So I'm not worried about the hands. He showed us last year how good his hands are, especially in muddy situations. And and the Kyle McCord factor plays a part in this because last year he had an NFL quarterback, a high-end NFL quarterback throwing him the ball. You saw what he did in those contested situations when the when the accuracy was there with Stroud in the red zone how often he was able to go up and bring those balls down that wasn't the case this year it was it was a much worse an objectively much worse situation with a much less accurate quarterback and he was still coming in with a lot of those passes so i don't have any issues with the hands the route tree is complete Everything about this player really is what it's billed as. He is what everybody is saying that he is. Yeah. That's it. That's it. It's like there's there's real buzz of this guy to be like the third pick in the draft. And it's justified because of what you see. Like the – I did have to remind myself that I forgot he was 6'4". Like that's the the real of it is like he plays on like ninety percent of his route he plays like a small thin player and then he gets thrown a ball that is like you know eight feet in the air and then you remember that he is like a six four two hundred and ten pound freak of nature athlete and it's like okay right he can do it all. And so there's just I I don't know what value I have to add to the Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> discussion outside of like, hey, here he is. This is the guy yeah. that everybody will be clamoring for. And like Malik Neighbors is awesome and he's like an elite player. He's just not quite Marvin Harrison. Yeah. That's it. I mean it Marvin's just bigger, better. I mean, like, that really is it. And that's why it was a 1 and a 2, not a 1A and a 1B. He's right. He is the better player, unquestionably. Like, I I made a comment, like, I don't know if I would trade a lot, like 102 plus a lot to get to number 1. I might be reevaluating re- that. I might pay a lot to get this player because right. I just think he's that talented and that worthy of you know being this sort of you know crowned prince of the next generation of dynasty wide receivers like it's awesome that we have jamar chase and cd lamb and justin jefferson almost forgot about him because he's been hurt but he's still the guy like it's a great time for wide receiver in the nfl this player is going to come in and slot right in alongside those guys he will be in that tier very quickly all right so here's that's the the nitty gritty. Let's go to a little bit big picture here. Yep. So 
in real life, the top four picks, I want to hear like who you would like to see him on most. So mm-hmm. Chicago is one via Carolina, and then it's Washington, New England, Arizona. Those are the teams that have four wins or less. So out of those four, I I feel like it's got to be Arizona. Yeah. yeah. I, I want him in Arizona. Like, it, it makes sense. Keep Kyler. Give him this player. Like – you have a potentially elite tight end that has been garnering a lot of targets in this offense because there just isn't a lot of talent at the wide receiver position right now. You throw this guy in and you have this elite combination of a number one wide receiver, like top three NFL wide receiver with a top five tight end and Kyler Murray is suddenly, you know, the situation looks a lot better and as opposed to Washington or New England, where you don't have a quarterback, you don't really know what it might look like. I don't I'm not like necessarily worried about Marvin's production in those situations. Like this is a player that is going to transcend the team that he's on. I mean, this is that sort of a player at this position, but it just would be great. <laughs> It'd just be great to have Marvin on a team where we don't have to like watch Sam Howell throw him the freaking ball. Like give me an elite quarterback combo with, with Marvin. So my other question is does, so Chicago's at one. Yeah. And we're talking about them potentially trading down because Caleb Williams is there. They have Justin Fields. There's this whole conversation. So do you avoid missing Marvin Harrison by just taking him or do you like because New England probably makes a a lucrative offer but who knows because it's New England Washington they'll get one of the two depending on who they like you know do you just sit and say you know what I'm gonna take the guy I'm gonna get Justin Fields to help if we believe in him I'm taking him at one I don't think you can I don't think you can either it's just a something something that came up where I was like you know like, I, it's not a bad I, idea. <laughs> would it be a bad football move for them to do that? No. Like, ab- like he's he, – take him at number one. That's fine. Like, the value's there. For me, it's just the fact that look what they got last year for number right. one. And think about what the number one pick this year is going to garner. I mean, Chicago's in an interesting position. We're yeah. going to we'll have time to talk about it, but now that it's official and with what we've been seeing from Justin Fields recently, it's right. become it's become it's kind a thing. of interesting. Yeah. So, and yeah. I think I think it ends up they trade down to like Washington or New England so they can get their Caleb Williams, their lottery yep. ticket, and then they end up taking Marvin and whatever they trade down to, but it's just, you know, you, you think and it's like do you leave it up to chance to get get Justin Fields the help he needs? Um, but Marvin and DJ Moore, I yeah. mean, that's it's a lot of. I mean, that'll let you properly evaluate a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that is the top five, technically top six wide receivers in this class, and there are a lot more. <laughs> like um like i said we have plenty of time to 
to get very, very deep with this class, and we will. I mean, this is the sort of class where you can get 15, even 20 deep and still like the guys that you're talking about. Um, so we will do that. We will do that when we're talking about fourth round value yeah, <laughs> in dynasty right? drafts next year. But uh, for right now, any names that you watched that you want to shout out here? Yeah, so uh, honorable mentions for me, Emeka Ibuka out of Ohio State, Tez Walker from, uh, wow, South Car- North, North Carolina. Carolina. It's not South Carolina. Uh, Xavier Worthy out of Texas, and A.D. Mitchell also out of Texas. So, okay, two things. First, Xavier Worthy. Were you more impressed watching 2023 than coming into the year? Yes. I I liked him more than I expected to because there was a, a time where I was like, yeah, A.D. Mitchell I think might be better. than And that it's just not true. You, have, you like worthy over 80 I Mitchell? do I do how, how do you so what do you got well so I my number one honorable mention is a mecca egg buka yep me too. like I feel like we that that is a player that when we came into the year he was our number two wide receiver and so now it's like he wasn't even in our top six so it's like oh my god we hate him he sucks now like what happened like it's it's literally just a product of this class. And you saw players with more upside, I think. And and that might not even be true. This is why it's a dangerous slope. Right. Because you see these players with these with like high end athletic upside, like Keon Coleman, Brian Thomas Jr., you know, guys like this where it's like, okay, yeah, you you're like a number one like alpha wide receiver in the making. Whereas Mecca Buka is still the player that we thought he was. He's just that slot guy. And I felt after watching 2023 that that's just what he is. Like he is a slot only player. And we've had that conversation a lot about why that doesn't mean low ceiling and why that doesn't mean he can't be an elite fantasy asset. And I still think that is I, I I would be willing to bet that he is that player, that if he is that slot weapon for a team, like he can be a high end top dynasty wide receiver because he's that talented. I just don't think he's quite as versatile as some of the players ahead of him right now, and that's why he ends up at number seven for me at this point in time. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like I think a lot of his deflated stats have to do with McCord. Because he was really bad, and then some injuries with yep. Igbuka this year. But I mean, it just does seem like there's it's a little bit capped what he can be as like a fantasy guy going forward, and that's why these guys end up landing in front of him because it feels like the top six guys that we mentioned all could end up being you know a, either a number one or like a featured number two on an NFL offense while Egbuka could be that but it has to be like in the right place it has to be in a place that like features their slot receiver or a place that's willing to invest some like time and energy into varying his outside game and so it just feels like there's a little uh it's less likely of an outcome for me yeah and I did think he was a little less explosive than I remembered yeah. from 
2022. Like he wasn't quite as dynamic as I remembered him being. Um, but that being said, incredibly nuanced route runner still. That was the big draw was like, oh man, we just watched JSN and now this guy is kind of doing a lot of the same things that we liked a lot in that same role. Um, and that showed up again this year. I mean, like you said, there was injuries here. It wasn't really a you know perfect season by any stretch, but the player that I saw from 2022, a lot of it was still there. And yeah. that was exciting to me to, to know that, you know, statistical regression didn't mean that suddenly it was like he lost the best parts of his game. That wasn't true at all. Yep. Who else do you have uh, that we might not have mentioned yet? Uh, I think, I mean, I, I still want to shout out my guy, Jacob Cowing, because, and Good I want to do, I want to do it because of the bowl game that we just watched where he sort of reminds everybody like, yeah, this wasn't his best year in college football statistically, but you see what this player can be. And I, I maintain that when we get into this postseason process, this is going to be a riser. We, he, we, he's confirmed. He's a senior bowl guy now that he's, he's confirmed on the, on the roster. I think that's going to be a big moment for him. And he's, he's still a guy that I like a lot. There's a lot of big players in this class, a lot of the projectable X sort of players that we've talked about just today. Um, Cowing is more of that smaller slot weapon type of a player, but I think he has a lot to offer. And I think uh, the bowl game that we just watched was a, a good reminder of his ability as a wide receiver. I think I, the guy I want to highlight out of these honorable mentions is is Devontez Walker. Yeah. Because I feel like he's a little bit of a lottery ticket kind of player because you look at, you know, what he went through this year. He transferred from Kent State to North Carolina. Uh, the NCAA declared him ineligible to play this season. They eventually overturned that decision. And you could immediately see – I mean, from week six on, the impact he had on that UNC offense and Drake May's game specifically, we were talked about it a little bit when we talked quarterbacks. We mentioned that, like, as soon as number nine is on the field, you see Drake May, like, even when he's just targeting Tez Walker, it looks better because he's just a really good player. And they, like, He's also a well-rounded player, good physicals, all that. And it's just – I'll be interested to see, number one, if he declares because he's a young guy, still a junior. Uh, and also, like, what kind of draft capital do you, like, put into a guy that only played half a season because of the eligibility stuff? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm just – I'm interested to see what goes on with the, the Tez Walker situation here. Yeah, I I didn't watch Tez Walker yet. Mm -hmm. um, exciting player for sure, and actually, I think he is in the draft. Okay, I, I wasn't sure. I, it's hard to keep track. No, I know, I know. I I remember seeing it. Yeah, he's he's on the Senior Bowl roster, nice. so he is an accepted Senior Bowl player. So he'll be there. I mean, this the oh man. I, I got to pull it up now. This Senior Bowl wide receiver crew is, I mean, just insane. I mean, there are some great, like Malachi Corley. It's another player hey. I like a lot. He's going to be there. 
I mean, I could sit here and, and read literally all these names. I This wide receiver class is really fun. I'm like, almost it's, glad that Trey Harris is not coming out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I I don't want I don't want it to get too muddy, you know. Right. Like I think Trey Harris next year, man. I don't know, but yep. Um, Him yeah. and uh, who's the the cat out of Mizzou? Luther Burden. Yeah, Luther Burden the third man. Whew. Yep. Tedero McMillan, man. That okay. Let's we'll not get, get into twenty twenty five. We got a lot summer. of twenty twenty four wide receivers <laughs> to talk about yet. So. It's a very long list. We're going to hit as many of them as we can between now and next summer. Uh, but this was just a glimpse into what could be a very special group of wide receivers in this 2024 class. If you enjoyed our discussion about the 2024 wide receiver group, be sure to find us on X, formerly known as Twitter at camp underscore dynasty and TikTok at camp dot dynasty. Also check out the YouTube channel, Camp Dynasty, where video feeds of the pods go up every single week. And of course, like, rate, subscribe, review, share, follow, all of those things to the pod feed if this is where you choose to listen. Listen, and we appreciate it. Hell yeah. I mean, we've been getting a lot more a lot of support on the YouTube videos. We appreciate that. Uh, I mean, wherever you get it share it subscribe do all the things we we love to see the support and we very much appreciate it yeah and keep keep telling us when we're wrong hell yeah jj mccarthy sucks hey keon coleman can't separate i'm okay with that let us know agree with you talking about (laughs) jj mccarthy all right we had to put somebody at five right yeah exactly (laughs) but all right Well, next week we will be on to the tight end group. Might be another little bit of a different discussion compared to this deep and extremely talented wide receiver group, but maybe some surprises in this tight end group behind number one. We'll find out next week. For now, thanks for stopping by Camp Dynasty this week, and we'll see you next week.